Hi, welcome to the Star Wars Lads podcast. I'm Jared, and I'm with the other two lads, uh, Sanuk and Liam. And today, we will be discussing the overall Skywalker Saga rankings. Now, um, there are nine episodes in the entire saga, and I don't know about you guys, but... Uh, this 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 is kind of hard for me. I don't know. <laughs> I think uh, starting this podcast from like when it, when I first met you guys and I told you my initial rankings, um, I feel like I feel like they definitely changed a lot. Um, for my like last like my least favorite one, I was I was I was very conflicted on this, and I I guess I spent like a good thirty minutes just staring at this this notepad that I had um, of, you know, what what my last pace would be. Because I just, I just want to preface, um, I love all these movies. <laughs> um, I just, I, I don't hate any of them. So I, I want to give that as a, as a precursor to what I'm about to say. But, um, you know, I just don't love them all equally. <laughs> It's like asking yourself or asking like a parent or something to choose your favorite child. Um, but I would say my number nine um, is Attack of the Clones. That's episode two. Um, and uh, I guess like, did, did you guys want to go into why first or uh, did you, did you want to just like go throughout? Um, uh, maybe we can just go through each of our nines first and then oh, each of our nines. All right. yeah just so we can have like yeah let's do it yeah so a yeah, good so... like level base for everybody oh, absolutely okay so mine is yeah mine is attack of the clones um i guess i'll get into why later um okay so then my number nine is it's always a toss-up depending on the year my mood whenever i watch it but more recently it's become a little bit more definitive so for me, my number nine is episode one, The Phantom Menace. And for me, I am with Jared. My least favorite, unfortunately, of the Skywalker saga is Attack of the Clones. Oh man, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it was it was a hard it was a hard one. Um so my number eight. Um oh did yeah, okay. So my number eight, uh it's going to be the last... No, no, no. The Rise of Skywalker. Um, wait, no. The Rise of, was it The Rise of Skywalker? Yeah, The Rise of Skywalker. Um, yeah. Um, my, number, my number eight is going to be Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. I am fond of a lot of it, but it is it's definitely a step below a lot of things. Uh, my number eight, we all have different number eight, because my number eight is episode one, The Phantom Menace. I'm really excited to talk to you guys about why uh, everybody has theirs and their spots. So let's keep going. All right. <clears throat> so my number seven is going to be The Last Jedi. You know, uh, my number seven is going to actually be Return of the Jedi. And I have a lot that I expressed multiple times to you guys about this film, but I'm going to hold off. 
number seven is the rise of skywalker um <laughs> all right yeah <laughs> um my number six is gonna be the force awakens i am back in agreement here uh the force awakens for me is number six i have thoughts on that too but not as strong as return of the jedi as in my number seven <laughs> My number six is Last Jedi. All right. Um, I feel like I feel like so far it's kind of in a in a similar rotation. Um, my number five is going to be for the Phantom Menace. I mean that that is pretty high up there. Um, <laughs> but my number five is also pretty high up there for most people. It is. Uh, episode nine, The Rise of Skywalker. You guys are you guys are throwing some curveballs in there, for sure. Uh, but I'm going to say my number five is, is the Jedi. Wait, what was that, Liam? My number five is Star Wars Episode. Six. Return of the Jedi. Uh, okay, all right. Mm -hmm. Um, my number four is actually Return of the Jedi. Pretty up there for a film that's not my favorite. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say The Last Jedi is my number four. Be gonna be really interesting. Um, I'm the as the four awakens as their as the highest rating of my number four all right so now we're getting to the top three the big leagues um for nine, my number three um i had empire episode five seems a little sacrilegious but <laughs> uh that's okay that's okay um I will also be committing some of that myself because my number three is the original Star Wars and you hope. Oh man, I, this is where it gets hardest for me. Number two and three, um, like in good conscience, I've got to put Revenge of the Sith as three, even though it might be my favorite movie ever. Oh. Just, there, yeah there's a couple of flaws to keep it out of out of the top two i mean you can call them flaws but i, I don't know i don't know about that <laughs> be intentional intentional uh, things that bother me by george lucas hey george <laughs> georgisms are great man georgisms <laughs> are great <laughs> um that's very my fair, number two very fair. My number two is actually Revenge of the Sith. My number two is also Revenge of the Sith. Um, this is why it gets hard. Is because my number two is uh, Star Wars uh, Episode Four: New Hope. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, you guys might sway me to to side with you. And, uh, switching my I'm, looking two, but, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, 
it's an almost flawless movie in my opinion hell yeah i mean so that brings us to the number one spot our favorite star wars film and i guess like you know we'll go into context of why uh later but um for me it's episode four a new hope i mean i respect it absolutely i mean it, we don't have star wars as a whole franchise as a huge cinematic universe without the original but i think the sequel episode five the empire strikes back is my number one and a superior film i love that jared came in with the original um it's great that we don't all have the same one but my my number one is also the empire strikes back um it's yeah it's just a masterpiece yeah it is <laughs> all right so um so now we've gotten our lists um i guess like how should we how should we tackle this do we want to like talk uh, about i guess we can go from going from everyone's ninth place to everyone's eighth place and then to seventh and onwards um, so to begin with, uh, my number nine is Attack of the Clones. And um, I think the, the reason why this was number nine was, was because uh, holistically going along this list, um, this was the least impactful to me. And um, just say that like, it's the, the least favorite film, because I guess growing up, I, I, that was like one of my favorite movies um, until kind of like seeing it in the, uh, the grand context of the entire saga. Um, yeah. So I guess like I really don't have too much of a justification only to say that like it was the least memorable film for me. Um, ironically, because a lot of the, uh, the imagery and um uh or yeah just the concepts in that in that movie were so iconic so um i guess i more equate the uh a, a lot of the ideas from the clone wars or, or attack of the clones to the clone wars um so i kind of disassociated it from the film and kind of uh more associated it to the series that's i guess that's why i put it on the bottom just because like it was kind of uh stood up <laughs> the entire show yeah i mean I, I i have to agree that with the visual aspect of it i mean i know in terms of like the overall visuals that i can think about when i'm thinking about the prequel trilogy a lot of it does come down to uh you know the the revenge of the sith because i mean it was the big finale anakin's fall and all those things um, and yeah, I mean, all the cool entrances, especially the opening of the film, all that stuff is like technically new, like technically new things that we don't see in Attack of the Clones. But I do, I, I will make the argument that I think Attack of the Clones has a, has the best visual language out of all the prequels in terms of just landscapes, the creatures, everything. Like you can make arguments for saying, oh, the CGI isn't that great. Uh, you know, it, it can be distracting at times, unnecessarily, like kind of how like 
Padme's whole sequences in the droid factory. But I mean, besides that, if you look at it just for what it is, for what it was an achievement for, I mean, none of the films that we watch today, you know, would be how they are without this film. And I think, I think it's very fair to give it its flowers for that respect. But the reason why I put episode one below it is I think for me, Naboo was such a great planet conceptually. It's peoples, the handmaidens, and the queen um, seeing the Jedi before, you know, the dark side really started creeping in too much. Um, you know, Anakin's entrance, all those things. Um, you know, it, it seems like, okay, this is like how you light a match and then the whole thing just starts to erupt and blow up, right? This is, this is a spark of the, of the Skywalker saga. Unfortunately, you know, there are things about it that are just too meandering. I, I, I mean, I still struggle with a lot of the dialogue. I don't hate Jar Jar, but I understand that, you know, the Gungans and how they're introduced in the original teaser trailer seemed a lot cooler, a lot more menacing. Um, and I, I really wish the relationship of like the symbiotic people in Naboo was a bit more of a point overall in Star Wars. It always seems like it's just like, oh, there's two groups of people there, which I mean, I guess. Um, and hey, I love pod racing and everything. I love Qui-Gon. I still think Qui-Gon is one of my favorite Jedi. But the things that drag down the film for me are Obi-Wan. You know, he's, he's, his characterization is very boring and dull. And a lot of the stuff that I wanted, I ended up getting years later in like Master and Apprentice, which, you know, really showed off the conflict in their relationship with him and Qui-Gon. Um, I, I liked young Anakin, but, you know, a teenage Anakin or and uh, someone a little bit closer to Natalie Portman's 14-year-old character would have worked a bit more. And there's nothing wrong with it being 10 years before Attack of the Clones, but I, I do think that it didn't even have to be 10 years. It could have been, like, five years, and we could have, you know, gotten ourselves into a much more easier transition into hating Christensen, but it's abrupt. It feels isolated at times. It drags its feet a lot with dialogue and whatnot. It's got great lightsaber fights and all that, but that's why I put episode down one, uh, episode one down solo for myself. Kind of want to touch on some of the same things you just said about episode one, uh, when we get to our eights, um, for me, Attack of the Clones is just kind of, I kind of want to piggyback off of what Jared said, because it's the one I think about the least when I think about the saga, it's me a second half movie, all my favorite parts in the second half, um, has the weakest opening scene, has the weakest score, in my opinion, of the original three, even though, uh, love theme is incredible across the stars. Um, it's one of John Williams' best tracks, but but it's not. I don't listen to that score as much. Um, I'll say I do think the CGI is a too much. Um, where Phantom Menace still had quite a few of the sets and just goes off the rails, and it doesn't hold up well. Um, jump between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith CGI is insane. 
Um, and even Phantom Menace, I think, looks better a lot of times. I think the Gungans still look better than a lot of the creatures do in this movie. I think uh, Jar Jar... Well, I guess I'll hold off on, on Phantom Menace. But uh, <laughs> all my favorite parts are in the last 30 minutes of this movie. The arena scene is incredible. I did watch that daily as a child. Um, the lightsaber duel between Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Dooku is mediocre, probably the worst one in live action. Um, Yoda's versus Dooku is cool, but it's very, very brief. Uh, the arena battle is awesome. Love that. And I really do love when the clones show up. Um, and, and that's going to be thing about our list, everybody that's listening, is because we all like these movies. Um, we all grew up in the era of the prequels and we all like these movies and it really does pain me to talk about a worst star wars movie i watch every single one every year <laughs> uh, you know and i i look forward to watching the attack of the clones every time so it's not a bad movie in my opinion it really isn't it's just least memorable and i think gets bogged down with way too many plot points um, and part of that is because it does a lot of heavy lifting because Phantom Menace took place so far ahead of it. Um, it it's confusing for, for people. I know this is the one out of all of them that I have to explain to everyone when I watch it with somebody for the first time. Uh, it, it, I, I love how much information they cram in, at you in uh, Obi-Wan, the Obi-Wan political thriller plot of him discovering the clones and who's trying to assassinate padme it's all really good stuff the anakin padme relationship to me just does not work i watched it again um about a month ago this movie and it's just so creepy and awkward <laughs> i really just don't buy it and it's it's so unfortunate because it, this was one of my favorite movies as a kid and, and i'm back it's just too much um dialogue is is just it's just so hard to to listen to it really is cringy um the locations i would agree the locations are very diverse and very impressive i love camino um really love everything about camino i love Django fett the asteroid dog fight between biwan and Django fett is super underrated love that and and really um one of the best scenes in the whole prequels is an attack of the clones and to me that's shmi's death um hayden christensen maybe does his best acting in all the prequels maybe in his career <laughs> in that scene and he's just so good his eyes everything they do it's so ominously lit um they turn the tuscan raiders into such a such a threat then you get to see the slow lapse of Anakin um, when he loses people important to him. And I think that really is, to me, like a, a solid top 20 scene in Star Wars. It, I love that scene. Um, it's it's one scene in a two and a half hour movie. And that's the other thing too. I think this is the longest Star Wars movie. No, The Last Jedi I think is slightly longer, but it's longest prequel. And it's, it's too long. There's too many things happening. Um, and yeah it's kind of the one that really the only one that i roll my eyes at a lot of times and to me that's why it's number two or number 
nine. Episode two is number nine. <laughs> yeah, sand is coarse. Um, Irritating and rough. rough. <laughs> yeah, it gets everywhere, man. It gets everywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess moving on to number eight. <clears throat> um, I guess I really feel like I need to rewatch this film because <laughs> I feel like maybe ranking it like this is doing an injustice. But for me, it was The Last Jedi. Um, <clears throat> I, I I understand. Uh, you know, I understand them trying to like break out of that that formula that they had uh, with with the trilogies and everything. Um, you know, the hero's journey type of arc. Uh, I guess, like, for some reason, maybe it just didn't do it for me. I was just, I remember the first time watching it, um, I was just really, like, confused. <laughs> um, I mean, there were, like, a lot of really great scenes in this, though. I guess that's that's one thing that I'll give it. <clears throat> um, and I think the... I guess, like, this is before... Uh, I knew that Leia was force sensitive, so I was just like really confused to like that whole sequence. Um, so I guess initially watching it was just really confusing for me, but maybe that's just because my small pea brain can't really comprehend a lot of it. Um, uh, and I, I felt like they were kind of throwing a lot of like uh, with the, with like the Imperial Guard and everything, just like they were throwing a lot of like past imagery in this new iteration but it seemed very like off-brand um like an off-branded uh empire type of feeling um or uh return of the jedi um when, when ray was encountering snoke and everything um i just <clears throat> i just felt like it was a retelling of that from a different perspective uh so i guess like for me, it didn't add too much to the saga as a whole. I, I did enjoy the film. Um, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I guess like I can go on and on about how like how it sounds like I'm shitting about it, but like I felt like because uh, you know the uh, the Force Awakens left us on such a I guess like correct me if I'm wrong, but I felt like that was like the first Star Wars film that left us on like a cliffhanger. Um, or not necessarily, but like just on the end of the film, it was like the, the most severed type of film. Um, and then to, for the last Jedi to kind of, uh, cauterize that, uh, was, um, was interesting, I guess, to say the least. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it, I mean, you could say the first big cliffhanger in Star Wars was the end of The Empire Strikes Back. Like, yeah, it ends, but, like, you're like, okay, what about rescuing Han? Like, what about this knowledge that Luke, his father, that he's looked up to for his whole life, that hasn't been around, um, is actually, like, the most evil, ironclad monster machine in the galaxy, right? Like, yeah. So... It, it in in the senses that it's the cliffhanger first no um but i will say that it is the one that's a bit too deliberate of an ending 
uh, for a cliffhanger. Because, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I personally find cliffhangers to work better for, like, chapters in a book or, like, an episode for a TV show. I think forcing something like the meeting of Ray and Luke. I mean, he was the MacGuffin of uh, Force Awakens, but I don't know. It, it seems like there could have been a bit more than just, oh, he pulls down his robe and looks ominously. Um so I don't know. It, it was it's a tough position, and I I don't fully embrace the fact that Ryan started that movie right after it and basically restarted with that scene. But I also understand why it was hard not to. But when it comes to my number eight, as much as I have actually grown to fall in love and embrace this film a lot, like I think it would just make it a point to anyone listening. Yes, we do love these films. We are huge Star Wars fans, but it doesn't mean that we don't acknowledge the faults. Like all three of us are filmmakers in our own right, so we've seen much better films. We've seen some of the best films that we've ever seen have been in Star Wars. We've also seen some very average films from out of this saga. Um, some might even say mediocre, but I think that's very that's very dis uh, harmful to the reputation of these films and doesn't actually engage in good dis discourse. But my number eight is episode two, because as much as I love this film, um, and I, again, I want to mention, like, as I said before, the iconography of it is so good. This, it, it is a very long story, but that being long also means that there's so many locations and aliens and just places to be, right? And... Yeah, I don't know. I think I think the why I enjoy the film more and more as I've gotten older is that it's kind of leaning really strongly into these 40s, 50s, like space serials, you know, like uh, John Carter-esque, uh, a little bit of Dune. Like the story in here is pretty wide ranging. Um, I know Revenge of the Sith has a galactic scale to it. But for a film that is not set around a war necessarily, and war is the result of the film, there is a huge amount of the galaxy explored. Um, and I didn't like Ewan McGregor's performance in uh, The Phantom Menace because I just thought he was super mischaracterized. And this is a dude coming off of one of his career bests in train spotting, which is an amazing film. So why i put episode two above one more than anything else is iconography one but two because ewan mcgregor just knocks it out of the park here he's got this espionage storyline that i think only grows better and better because you know there's always going to be action in films that we see there's new films when stars that have action i love the asteroid sequence but i really love how when he meets jenga fett his dialogue the way he interacts with Kevin Owens on Geonosis. I, I still find his conversation with Dooku when he's a prisoner a little confusing, um, considering that's something that he should have like really strongly mentioned um, to the rest of the Jedi, and hopefully they would do a bit more uh, investigating. I guess war starts, and they kind of put that on the back burner because they see, oh, I guess... Palpatine was right all along to want a military, but 
I don't know. It's very interesting to consider that this film is it sparks off a huge thing, kind of like how episode kind of spark episode one sparks off with the Trade Federation blockade, right? That one blockade allows us to see the Chosen One, the Jedi, Return of the Sith, you know, liberation of a planet, all these things. But the spark in this is also again Padme. It's just that she's almost assassinated um, because she's trying to bring in to the Senate. Uh, you know, the repeal or resistance against a military, which, I mean, without the military, we wouldn't have the empire, right? This is still a peaceful democratic republic. And I think for me, why that matters a lot is because Padme is the idealistic, the most idealistic character of all of Star Wars, but she's also the one that has the strongest principles and she acts on them and she's very supportive of other people, but she has a background, an upbringing, and a belief system that honestly is for frequently pushed away by others, even though it is very honest and truthful and benign for everybody. So there's a lot of things there. Obviously, the romance is, uh, you know, I could just, I wish I could just wish away these feelings. You know, that that's not a great line of dialogue. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I on on a more recent rewatch, I was kind of surprised to see that like you know i could live with a lot of the earlier stuff yeah hayden does look a bit creepy when he talks to uh uh what is it natalie portman especially in the earlier scenes but i think once they're on their way to naboo and he's kind of like talking about love and and then just their interactions both of them they really show off the physical characteristics of a relationship better than like the vocal or emotional right like the physically emotional versus the verbally emotional because there's a lot of playfulness i mean that nabu scene by the big waterfalls that's that's just a beautiful place to be like i i understand why these two people fell in love they're both attractive they both have a history with each other it's been such a long time you know they're the only two people basically they're put together because they're they only can only rely on each other at this point. Um, and, like, you know, they have a lot of fun. Like, despite <laughs> Obi-Wan, like, kind of on the other side of the galaxy, finding out about, oh, there's a whole military for us. Oh, there's a droid army. Oh, there's people trying to kill me. Like, you know, they have, a for a long part of the film, a relatively joyful time together, Anakin and Padme. And... I also find myself very appreciative of like the Tatooine scenes with Owen being introduced and, you know, everything to do with Anakin, you know, his dark emotions. I forget what the score is called, but when he's like on his speeder bike trying to go find Shmi, like that stuff, everything from that scene onwards and then his whole like, you know, breakdown in front of Padme after explaining how he murdered the man and the children and the woman, like... That's, I mean, Hayden, Hayden was Anakin and Hayden is Anakin. And I, I am so happy that he's coming back. So, I mean, I, I, again, I really love a lot of this film. I just don't think that the dialogue was there for it. I just don't think it had to be this complicated for some of the things. If it weren't, I mean, I think it would shoot up for me, but that is why it is lower. Yeah, I I echo a lot of those sentiments, um, and and they 
I don't know. I buy their relationship eventually, and probably because of Clone Wars. Um, I, there's just too many things in the dialogue, like you said, that that ruin it for me with Attack of the Clones. Especially, especially, I don't know if you guys remember this one scene. It's towards the beginning. It's when she's packing, and she he's looking at her super creepily. She says, "Stop looking yeah, at me like that. It makes yeah, me yeah, uncomfortable." You don't, you, you don't, <laughs> you don't film it. that scene now. Yeah, you, you do not film that now. That I don't know, George. That was a little suspect then too. But it's definitely not cool now. Yeah, but, yeah. He, gets, he gets this like weird smile going, and he says, "Okay, sorry." <laughs> that, that scene just yeah, that one. I can, I can recall <laughs> the smile for sure. Yeah. But anyway, um, appreciate all your your other points about Attack of the Clones. And Jared, too, I understand um, a lot of your criticisms towards The Last Jedi as well. Um, and I think it is a movie that has been a bit from rewatches. It also, I, I genuinely loved it the first time I saw it, and rewatches has definitely brought it down, in my opinion. So I think it could make it even worse for you, <laughs> or it, it can make you lock, like a lot of the things you already liked a lot more. See, I, I, I'm actually the opposite. I, when, when I came out of it, I was just like, I guess, I guess that was eight. Like, I was like, it, that was good, right? That was good, right? But then after like a few more rewatches, I was like, yeah, that was really good. So you never know. Yeah. It's different. The Last Jedi is absolutely the one that's completely different for everyone. Really does seem like that. It's, there's so many things for me. It's, it's a. I guess I'll talk about it more, but it's kind of a tale of two films. It's that I absolutely love and things that I really don't like. But for me, I'm talking about my number eight, and that's The Phantom Menace. Um, there's a lot of things that I think work really, really well about The Phantom Menace, and I'll start that off. Um, I really like the opening scene. I think the beginning, a lot of people say it's boring. Um, it's a pretty good little action sequence between Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, and the droids. Um, George Lucas crafts a lot of tension in that scene and whether it's um the gas or the droids coming through and the lightsabers turning on uh, in the gas and you can't see them and then they spring into action uh it's the fear that the nemoidians have of the jedi that i think is really really cool it's uh the way they set up trade federation's relationship with sidious makes him even more intimidating i really really like that opening scene and I think, for me, The Phantom Menace is tale of three acts. Um, I really like the first act. I think the second act is way too long. I think the third act is good again. Um, score, I think the score is super underrated. Not just Duel of the Fates, but the entire thing is really, really good. Um Bygone's Noble End, which was a spoiler back in 1999. Uh, a really good track and uh the sound design it might be the best sound work out of all the films i mean arguably for me when i talk about score and sound it's really hard to put anything above a new hope because that was the one that created all of it but um sound design for the pod race everything is just so impressive uh and i still think the cgi holds up really well i think the gungans look great um Jar Jar is a complete and utter achievement in the film industry. And I think I appreciate 
as as I gotten older and where Jar Jar's become a little less funny for me um, than he was when I was a kid, I can still really appreciate how impressive he was for 1999 and how he basically changed the game with CG characters and motion capture characters and performance capture characters. So, uh, I still really appreciate Jar rather than love him now, but um, the pod race for me is such a great scene. Uh, I, I like Jake Lloyd. I think he has a couple. It's kind of the what Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman had where there's some lines that he's given that are just, <laughs> you, you wonder if George Lucas had ever been an eight-year-old kid or a nine-year-old kid <laughs> because some of the things he says are just <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but I think he does a pretty good job uh, the action sequences, as we said, were are great. Um, and I love Qui-Gon Jinn. He is really one of my favorite characters of all time. Um, and I do a lot in this movie. I would agree that he is very, very one-dimensional and stoic. And we do get one good scene with him and Qui-Gon where he starts to disagree, and I, I wanted to see that more. And Master and Apprentice does give us that, but obviously that book came out um, almost 20 years after this movie did. So, uh, but I think they're, you get the gist of their relationship. You don't get to see it in action as much, but you get the gist of kind of Obi-Wan is the rule follower. He's the, he's the one that's going to do exactly what the council wants him to do. And Qui-Gon is the one that's going to break the rules and, and going to do what he thinks is right. And I think that sets up a nice, parallel eventually between obi-wan and anakin um and i and i also really love production design in the phantom menace um it is incredible and uh, odo gunga is also a really really impressive design um, and the cg on that looks amazing still uh i think we this is the first time we got coruscant and the senate building and the jedi temple it just all looks so good. Um, a movie that's 22 years old almost. Uh, and then also it kind of sets up the whole prequel era, which I really like. Um, like the politics, and I like the politics of the Jedi and that they have with the Senate and the and kind of how they're struggling to find um, a middle ground between church and state. Uh, but it is a movie that is a little bit too long in the second act the tatooine part does drag on forever um and the pod race is a nice payoff it, it, nothing nothing much happens during that um you can you're introduced to anakin and you're trying to see how he lives but it's not it could have been done so much faster um and one of the things that bothers a lot of people and it has bothered me as i've gotten older too is the the use of accents instead of languages um, for the new aliens. <laughs> it's just kind of distracting. It, I know I know a lot of people have said that there's a lot of like <laughs> obvious stereotypes and and racism with some of the, the accents. But for me, more so than that, it's just distracting hearing all these different real world accents come into the movie when they could just be just speaking other languages. And but my biggest problem is that it is so isolated. And I really do think there's a problem with it being set ten years before. Um, me, the prequels always could have been 
six movies. I think I easily six, see six movies in that story. It was crammed into three. I think making Anakin nine really, you really, really miss a lot of that Anakin Obi-Wan relationship. Um, he's younger and, and the Anakin Obi-Wan comic gives us some of it, but it's only five issues. And I really want more of that time period. Um, and you don't really get to see Anakin growing up. He's a completely different character in Attack of the Clones. He, he's so nice and, and happy in this movie. And even though he's a slave, uh, but he's so nice and happy. And then turns into this guy who, you know, doesn't like anything except Padme. And, emotional and we don't we don't get to see him become that character um so i would have really liked that and that to me that's what keeps phantom menace back is when you look at it the saga as a whole it introduces a ton of stuff that's super important but it doesn't really have much relevance outside of introductions uh when it comes to the rest of the movies and so that's kind of why i leave it at number eight Yeah, no, I totally agree with a lot of those points. I guess, like, I guess I'll talk about that a little later. But um, yeah, I feel like I think I'm just a sucker for things that start other things. <laughs> um, and I guess what I mean by that is, is just like the beginning of trilogies, um, which I guess doesn't really segue me into my seventh one. But um, my seventh film is uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Um, I guess, like, I did have a couple issues with this movie, but I think just purely uh, purely from entertainment value and fan service, um, I guess, like, I did have fun with this film. Uh, conceptually, there were a lot of issues um, with the whole ending scene of... of uh, of Ben and Ray kind of giving each other life and everything. I thought that part was a little strange. Um, but um, yeah, I guess uh, there were a lot of good things about this film. And I think that's part of the reason why I put them over the others. Uh, not going to lie, I can't name drop them for you. But um, uh, yeah, I guess it, it was it was like a like a like a kind of like a nice closing uh they wrapped up a lot of the saga's points in a way <laughs> i won't say like the best way <laughs> um and uh, a lot of the narratives kind of um came to a close uh there was the um the reveal that like like ray was a palpatine um but a lot of the themes of the film actually like really challenge what lineage actually means, kind of counteracting uh, the entire saga as a whole. <laughs> um, but you know, I guess uh, it was it was kind of like subverting our expectations and and watching that for the first time. Um, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, okay. I think for me. I agree with a lot of those points. I also disagree with some, which is why I put it as my number five. But my number seven is Return of the Jedi. And I know for a lot of older fans, even even a lot of prequel fans, 
and even some sequel fans that might be sacrilegious because I'll be honest, Return of the Jedi is for some reason always considered the third best, right? Even today, people are like, oh yeah, I'd rank it as four, five, six, and everything comes after, or five, four, six, right? It's always the third best in that trilogy, but I don't know. I, I Growing up, it was my favorite, of, and there was only six at that point, and obviously seeing Luke with his green lightsaber, I just thought black and green went really well. I really liked, and I still love the Vader redemption. Um, you know, I, I, I thought that the, what is it? The fighting was a little bit better. Um, it was also nice to see everyone back together after, you know, all those horrible losses in five. Um, you know, it was nice to see Lando being a general, all the, all these things, but a lot of what I like about six is uh, in the very last third of the film. And I can't even argue that it's a third of the film because it feels to me that there's a first part and a much longer second part. And that first part is, you know, the rescue of Han on Tatooine at Jabba's palace. And hey, I like Jabba as a character. He's, I think it was very interesting. What a great reveal at that time. Um, I, obviously, I feel like Jabba should be a puppet and everything instead of some CGI and whatnot. But point is, I like the dark scheminess, the seediness of his world. I like seeing Boba back, you know. Didn't like how he went out, but thankfully the Mandalorian, you know, made that a lot better. And yes, hopefully the Book of Boba Fett will also explain that a little bit and how he escaped. Um, but I saw a few years back, or maybe one or two, I don't know, but I saw this video from Cosmonaut Variety Hour on YouTube where it basically just explains why Luke's, like, you know, like, plan for freeing Han is so messed up and so reckless. Like, if you really think about it, he sends them the droids as a gift. All right, whatever. Like, that doesn't do anything. His message doesn't do anything, right? Then he sends in Leia with uh, Chewie, all right? And what is it called? Like, yeah, it's a little convincing, but it's not enough, right? And then he comes in himself, and you're like, okay, fine. Like, let's, uh, let's really consider, like, that, hey, maybe we're saving the top dog for the final, you know, chance. Like, maybe those first two were just like, okay, if this works out, great. But it's not like, I don't know, it's not like there was a great plan either for Leia, right? I think she was always going to be captured. It's kind of implied that Bosk is another bounty hunter that people know about. And it's a bit obvious that, you know, it's not him in the armor. Um, but when you look at Luke, right? First of all, he comes in, he's choking Gamorreans. Dark. That's cool, right? But what's his actual plan? He doesn't have a plan. He's just like, I'm going to force pull a gun and shoot Jabba because he doesn't want to give me Han Solo back. Like, come on. And I don't know. It's, it seems <laughs> like it's very demeaning that he has to put his sister, who he, I guess he doesn't know at this point is his sister, but he has a feeling that she might be his sister. I don't know. But he just basically is like, all right, yeah, I'll let her be forced to become some piece of eye candy for uh, Jabba and all these other dark, seedy people. I know a bunch of people in the 80s love that scene. And hey, I can't say I don't like seeing Slave Leia. It's a very attractive. 
but it's not necessarily how should I put it essential to the plan because I don't think there was any plan and then I don't know just seeing everything about his fight on the sail barge uh, the force kick scene where like he uh, hits a weak way with his leg but his foot doesn't actually come and hit out his chin so it's like now it's become a force kick I don't know it's it's such a I think it reflects a Luke that's very emotionally conflicted who's got a lot of power but like you know, someone who doesn't really understand things that are going on. You know, he's he's he knows that his father is evil, um, and that he's but he still believes in the good in him. You know, knowing that what his legacy is, knowing that you know, the Jedi are gone because of him, all those things. So that's that kind of messes up a kid when you realize that oh, my masters have basically sent him to sent me to kill my own father. Like I can understand why he's not exactly in the most solid place, but he acts like he's in the most solid place at the same time. Which is why this whole plan is just like, oh my god, what are you doing? It's like balls to the wall, like, let's just go. Let's, we'll figure it out along the way, right? It's like, oh my god. But if it weren't, if that were a much more well-planned, well-thought scene, I don't think six would be so low for me. I like the Ewoks enough. I, I wish they were a bit more lethal and we actually saw them, like, drag dead humans towards a fire to eat, like it's been implied, but... Yeah, besides that, you know, it was fine. Death Star 2, you know, it, could, it didn't have to be another. It's a nice twist that's like, oh, it's operational, but you didn't really need to have a second Death Star. But everything in the end, throne room scene, amazing, right? Seeing Anakin once again, especially in the context of like, hey, of the original six, that's great. But Luke in this film, just especially in the very beginning, is just not right for me. That's That's my issue with it. Wow, so that <laughs> I know you've uh, you've had some negative reactions to Return of the Jedi a lot lately, and I'm I'm excited to talk about Return of the Jedi for me eventually too. But I can't really like disagree with anything you said. I, I Luke works really well for me the entire movie, but uh, <laughs> the beginning is is a bit ridiculous when you put it in context. Um, but I'm back on with Jared. Uh, for me, my, my number seven was The Rise of Skywalker. Um, this one, so this is the one uh, I have seen the least recently. It's been like 10 months or so. So, you know, <laughs> uh, take that with a grain of salt. But I, I like a lot of ideas in The Rise of Skywalker. That's the thing for me. There's a lot of really, really great ideas, but the execution is lacking um, in a lot of spots. I think it's it's a movie that there's very, very few things that I dislike immensely, but there's also very few things that they just absolutely crush. Uh, it was one that when I initially saw it, I mean, the pacing blew my I meant for the first 20 minutes, I could not believe they decided to go that quickly into the story. Uh, it jumped around so much. Pelly was just back. Um, that's where I once again talk about ideas. Like I'm, I'm fine with Palpatine being back conceptually. Personally, 
way they did it, I wish he was dead still because I, I think it crashed <laughs> arc up. But I'm fine with if there was a little bit idea of him coming back, DeLorean and, and subsequent material, you know, could completely fix this like the Clone Wars did. Um, but the way that it was eventually handled, I wish he didn't come back, but that's not a terrible idea. Um, Kylo Ren, I wanted to see him being the Supreme Leader a little bit more. Uh, Ray Palpatine, I, I, I wrote a really long thing about this movie, about a lot of the things I liked after my third or fourth viewing. And for me, that's myself so hard on Ray Palpatine, but I, I just really don't like it. Um, I get the, the idea of it that palpatines and skywalkers the whole you could argue the whole saga is about that and um but there's no hints in the force awakens or the last jedi that she's a palpatine unless you want to talk about okay, okay i'll give you the poke uh but, but yeah i i don't know i'm looking forward to watching it again i'm gonna probably watch it again in the next few weeks um but there's just few things that just absolutely crush it i there you know i'm a big fan of palpatine prequel palpatine i i love the goofiness of darth sidious in episode three um and there's a lot of this movie yeah absolutely uh when he shoots the lightning into the sky and shuts down all the ships like a gigantic emp like that was awesome i love uh but and some of his lines, you know, they give him the good and the and all that again. And and I w won't say I didn't smile and like have this stupid grin on my face the entire time when I saw Palpatine. But um, yeah, it just it it's not one that sticks with me um, as much as the next six. So I kind of just dropped it down to seven because I think it's despite the first act being kind of a mess, uh, I still think it's a better constructed movie than, than one and two. Right now, I'd probably say I prefer yeah. to watch one more, but I think it is a better constructed movie. Um, and, and the visuals, J.J. Abrams always kills the visuals. And, and there's a lot of, there's still a lot of great moments in it. Um, Death Star fight's awesome. Everything they do with Kylo Ren is usually great. I, I'm, I'm conflicted on the force healing because it's been a part of Star Wars for so long and, and extended material. So I I understand why they brought it in and I think it's justified to bring it in. But they yeah, they take it to a whole nother level in this to where like now everyone knows how to do it, which seems odd because nobody knows how to do it in the other movies. Um, so it, it kind of throws a wrinkle in the entire saga because there's so many people that you could force heal when you look back at the other eight movies but but as an idea i'm not against it because it's been in so many things including one of my favorite star wars stories of all time the knights of the old republic uh but but yeah so this is kind of a mixed bag movie for me um nothing horrible but very few things that are amazing and a lot of great ideas that weren't executed perfectly and it's because they put all these ideas in the last movie. If they would have come in the second, uh, the second movie or the first movie, then we could have gotten a lot of really cool plot points. And I love how much they play with the Force and what the Force can do and the dyad and all that type of stuff in this. But um, I just wanted more.
I guess that's what I'll say with the rise of Skywalker. Okay, well, this has been a great conversation so far. Uh, it's been very fun talking about our three least favorite Star Wars movies of the Skywalker saga, or least favorites of our favorites. Um, but this is a very long conversation, and this is part one of three. So we're going to end it here, but please stay tuned for the next two, which we'll be releasing later this week. Um, if you have any comment on or would like to follow information or news or schedules about it, please check out our Instagram at Star Wars Lads. We'll be posting news and visual updates and memes and fun stuff like that. So please give us a follow and let us know if you have any ideas for the show. Uh, DM us or comment on any of our posts and we'll uh, definitely take that into consideration. So yes, thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next two parts.